We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Monday morning, afternoon, something like that. Uh, Britt Robson of The Athletic is my guest. Britt, there's only four games left in the Minnesota Timberwolves 2020-2021 season. Uh, we've done a lot of these on Sunday or Mondays. I, I think this will be our last in-season podcast yep. of the year. And the place I just want to start, and since... It's kind of it's caught me. It's something I've been talking about on the pod the past couple of weeks. Uh, it it's been a shift in my mind of how I'm going to assess these players going in the offseason, and that's Anthony Edwards. Um, I haven't talked to you much about him, and I'm just kind of curious. Is obviously Ant has improved here, right? Sure. Um, but how much of it is like a transcendent change in your eyes versus oh he's just kind of starting to play better at the end of the year against crappy teams like Orlando or tanking teams or that like have you seen him turn another corner or is this just like your steady kind of linear progression from Ant? I think that he has turned a corner I think that um for a while there I was beginning to worry that his three-point stroke could improve so much that he was going to start to ignore the drive game um right I was just on a little Twitter exchange this morning with Jake uh, Painting is his name, right? I always want to say Pantang, but I think it's Painting. And uh, he was talking about this this move that he has now of the the bump and pop, essentially, is what I would call it, Um, Mm -hmm. where he drives to the hoop, gets contact, but uses the contact just to create distance, not to finish with a layup, but to like hit a very, very short floater. 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of like the, the that Rubio shot that we hate. Right. But, but he's much closer and actually, much yeah. more accurate. <laughs> he could take the hit, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a new wrinkle that I think is really a weapon. Uh, one, because the threat of him finishing through the defender is extraordinary. I mean, he really right. can finish hard. And two, because uh, he has really good body control. Um, he has both upper body and lower body strength. So the lower body, you know, will, will go through you. The upper body will bump and still be able to align properly in midair, hang in midair and hit that little floater. Um, you know, it's not unstoppable, obviously, but it, it is a formidable weapon that as he continues to use it will become part of the scouting report and, it's a counter, you know, frankly, to um, when teams see him going downhill, um, uh, they're oftentimes are going to have to, you know, present him with a body that they're trying not to foul, but they're trying to present themselves strongly. Slight contact on his part, just enough to get the slight bump. I guess maybe the way to try to... Uh, defend that is to to flop to flail on it but a lot sure. of times he does it right near the circle so that you're risking a flail for no reason um, see i think that is that's the biggest point is the it's the depth of his two-point shots just in general that he's taken right he's he it's we've been saying downhill all year but there was times at the beginning of the season where he was getting downhill and he's pulling from 15 feet right right so he has increased his volume of shots at the rim and he's increased the power with which he takes his shots at the rim. I was just looking at it before um, before we got on here, and since DeAndre Russell's been back, which is the past 18 games, Ant is shooting 56% from two. If you look at his pre-All-Star break numbers, he was shooting 42% from two. I mean, that's a, that's a massive change. The biggest inefficiency... In Anthony Edwards' game, I think people will hit on the fact like, oh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't making his threes at a high rate. He was only making them at like a 30% clip. I think, and I thought at the time, the more concerning element was was this combination of the fact that he was shooting a lot of mid-range shots, making them at like a 25% clip, and he wasn't converting at the rim at, you know, at a 50% level. We've seen the mid-range volume go down, and we've seen his ability not only his volume at the rim go up, but his ability to kind of add a finishing package there, the, the bump and fade, whatever we're, whatever right. we're calling it, or right. just, just more like finesse around the rim. I remember like back in the Ed Davis days, right? It was ugly when he was going up against a Jared Allen or a Chris Tapps for Zingas. And I was like, I don't know. I think he's, his craft is a long way away from being able to be a real finisher at the rim. Now you're like, okay, I, I could, I, I see a progression. I, to be fair, I still think he's got to add more to that. He, there's a lot more craftiness he could add, but it's it's just very clearly been a lot more effective around the, the hoop or just inside the arc. Right. And it has not been at the expense of other aspects of his game. His passing sure. game is vastly improved. It used mm -hmm. to be that he would do the showy pass. You know, the pass that, hey, look at me. This is an assist. I'm creating this play. Now he's hockey assisting uh, occasionally he is uh, sending the ball out to shooters in the corner. He's very cognizant of who's in the corner when he drives. He's 19. You know, I mean, right. they, these are uh, 
these are things that Zach Levine didn't get uh, for a long time, you know. Sure. Uh, and these are things where uh, Zach Levine shot long twos his entire rookie season steadfastly and into his second season, you know. When Sam Mitchell was coaching him, which was his second season, uh, he bemoaned uh, Levine always trying to, to go around the picks so that he could shoot a long two rather than just stopping at the pick and shooting a three. And so uh, it's, it is heartening. Uh, his defense still has a long way to go. I do think the eye test on his defense um, is better if you just follow the ball rather than watch what Edwards himself is doing. I mean, if, if Ant is just watched in isolation, whenever I think Ant is being a really good defender or coming along well as a defender, I just lock on him for like eight straight defensive possessions and I'm disabused. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not still a good defender. He, he, um, I think he drops out still occasionally, you know, he, he gawks a lot. Uh, I would say less occasionally, though. Yeah, I mean, but it couldn't have gotten more. I, I think yeah, that, right, you know, right, right. And I just want to be fair because I, I, you yeah. know, I've bagged on him, his defense with you, you know, right. going back right. three, four months now. Right. I would say, um, I would say I've seen a step like in in the right direction, not a leap, not anything like that. But right. there, there was one play in that Miami game where, you know, Dragic, Dragic is a attacking like I don't know McLaughlin or something is getting by him and Edwards comes over rotates to the circle from the weak side right squares up Dragic enough that Dragic has to kick it out to above the perimeter ball goes swing 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 back to Dragic for a catch and shoot three and Ant is closed out there all the way out like that is stuff that Ant literally did zero of at the beginning of the season I agree so so again you're going from the lowest of bars and you know and but but I I would say that there has been some things starting to register. But yes, then at the same time you watch the next eight possessions and he's standing straight up and down. He isn't making the rotation the next time. And but, his weak side recovery, if he's guarding the weak side and the ball goes there, there's a good chance it's an open shot. Yeah, I mean it's the same with Delo, and Delo's been in the league for six years, so it isn't like uh, I just think they don't believe it's important. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like that. The, that's what the body language to, to me comes off as. It's just like, oh, here yeah, in the corner, right. you know. Oh yeah. All right. He's open. Let's see if he can make it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what it feels like. Okay. So, so you brought up Sam Mitchell, right? And Levine. There, I've I've done the Levine Ant comp all year. Uh, you know, the difference is Chris Finch, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. If, it's you know, a big difference. Chris, Chris Finch wouldn't have let Zach Levine come off and peel off 19 footers left and right. So there's, uh, you know, Finch has made a difference in Ant. Um, And so has, you know, I mean, all of the things that have caused the Wolves improvement have caused Edwards improvement naturally. Uh, But it is the coalescence of Finch, D'Lo, Cat, all... I mean, not even in the ways people might think of. I think a lot of it is Edwards didn't really respect the team he was on very much as they were plummeting to last in the NBA and not really doing stuff. And he always had Rubio because Rubio always was a beacon of intelligence, even if Rubio couldn't execute what he was saying. 
playing. He was still teaching and about the game. And intelligence so I, through incompetence. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And so I think that once they began to have, well, first of all, I think he loves the non drop back scheme because it means that there's not set assignments as much. He doesn't like mm-hmm. set assignments. He likes the idea of being freewheeling. Um, and it does, in you know, in fairness to Finch, and in fairness to you, I've I've always been more of a drop back proponent than you or Finch, obviously. But I do think it helps rotations if you're always moving anyway. Uh, and I think that um, when it isn't as you know, I always quote Gorgie Jang about X's and O's <laughs> don't stay put, so you can't really yeah. count on it. Uh, you do have to, it's all defenses are read and react, whether or not you, no matter how, unless you're running a, just a, a stone cold zone, you're running read and react, zone, read and react defenses. So if, if this scramble is jazz, what is the drop in a musical term? Uh, probably Dixieland jazz. I don't even know what that means. Oh, I mean, like uh, you—you've heard the, you know, the guys with the uh, straw hats and the uh, striped uh, things on, and they're playing jazz. That ding, 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 ding. ding. You know, it's it's corny jazz, and it's corny because you know exactly the entire song after the first ten seconds. Right. You know, I I was picturing more of like a rigidity, like a well, Dixieland like jazz a, like, is pretty fucking rigid. Okay. See, this is this. The this is jazz my, my, my lack really, of intelligence. Really this, but that's right. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let me just read you off. I, I was just, I, I pulled up his stats, Ant stats in the D-Lo era, the 18 games from right. D-Lo. 23 points a game, six boards, almost four assists, over a steal, 35.6% from three, 56% from two. 58% true shooting, which is above league average, and over a 26% usage. I mean, that's a star player. It's kidding. Those are right. It's it, I mean, it, it's a great, those are Donovan Mitchell numbers. Those are Donovan Mitchell numbers. Better yeah. than Donovan Mitchell numbers, actually. Right. I mean, the usage to be a star, I think he would have to put about five more points per game on there, and maybe a, a yeah. And you're yeah. right. That's what Donovan Mitchell's doing. Yeah. I, I just I went through it. I went through his. Uh, I compared his post All Star numbers on a, a pod a couple days ago, and I uh, what stood out to me is he's taking over 19 shots a game, and I was like, how many guys in the league are taking 19 shots a game? Right. And there's 12 like for the season, right. and you know it's it's the usual suspects, and had some like and some guys don't even like the top MVP candidates don't even make that list, right? right. You know, and so so the the thing I was like, all right, he's shooting 19 a game, 19 shots a game, and now he's doing it at league average. Right, and a lot of the other guys who are that high of volume, that high of usage, whatever, they're your guys well into the sixties in true shooting. You know, your Lucas, your Stephs, right, right. Um, even Levine has been there this year. Sure, but there are there are a couple other guys, and the the two that are lower troop shooting, but equally high usage, high shot total were Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. Uh-huh. And I was like, I kind of like, I kind of like the idea that Ant's next step is kind of like a fusion of. You know what those guys were in their their second year. I mean, Fox is in his own way that freak athlete, right? And Mitchell kind of has the I would say just kind of overall outline of the game you picture Ant having too, right? Like 
in terms of that that's kind of self-creation offense right three level score but can create for himself in any of those zones and also not a great defender you know uh I, I think, I mean, people are probably laughing as I, I, I've probably done 20 different player comps for Ant over the course of this year. I got but one every time you. it's, okay, give me it. I just thought of this the other day, and the more I think about it, the more I like it, especially since his own usage has skyrocketed recently, is Tatum. Hmm. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think he could flourish into a Tatum-esque player. A guy who... Uh, isn't absolutely thought of as the total shot hog guy, but who does hog shots more than <laughs> you would imagine yeah, right. and, and isn't necessarily tremendously efficient, but does go for games where he's very efficient and also gets big buckets when it matters, is able to rebound and dish at different times um, isn't the best defensive player on his team. He's better than Ant, obviously, but he he's you know mm -hmm. moving forward. I know what you mean. Yeah. And 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 Ant plays at Tatum's size. I think Tatum might be a little bigger, but um, taller. You know, but yeah, but so you know. Do you like Tatum? I do. I, I like mean, uh, Jalen Brown uh, prevents me from loving Tatum as much as I could because because you love I love Jalen yeah. Brown so much, but. Uh, and always resent the fact that Tatum is regarded as the guy on that team. But I have to say, you know, Tatum Tatum will be an all-NBA player this year, perhaps. He's right in the mix, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, that's, that's Ant's ceiling, too, is first, second, third team, all-NBA, you know? And Which is so, wild, man. I mean, we would not have said that two months ago. Right. Exactly. We would not have. Like, and the fact that's that he's what, 19, you know, and for, you know, and, and let's face it, it could be recency bias. You know, he's having a really nice, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, like, are we getting, are we getting caught up in an end of a season where his team for one reason or another is still trying, even though they have one of the worst records in the league. And because if you do remove these 18 games with D'Lo, which is, you know, a lot to do. Like, right. this is not how we felt about Anthony Edwards a month ago. That was Feb or that was April right. 5th that D'Lo came back. Okay, and let's let's remember also, though, that D'Lo came back in a certain role that I, I'm curious, and Finch is curious. This is why D'Lo is now in the starting lineup. But that period of time where Rubio was the starting point guard and D'Lo was going to come off the bench was mm -hmm. that was Ant's playground. That's where he and Cat were the two-man team rather than uh, mm -hmm. D'Lo and Cat. I'm curious to see the larger sample size when it's D'Lo on the court for the preponderance of Ant's minutes, you know, because, right, you know, back in the day when D'Lo first came back, I would say maybe half of uh, Ant's minutes were with D'Lo and half of them weren't. And I think that may be the perfect balance for Ant, quite frankly, uh, because mm -hmm. I think he needs to be uh, the guy. And it's no, I mean, there were a couple of blatant losses there where Cat and D'Lo tried to take over the game while Ant stayed in the corner. Um, that wasn't a good look, you know. Let's talk about that, though. Like, 
isn't that what it's gonna be? Like, I hope not. What's you, the... I just got through comparing him to Tatum, uh, <laughs> you know. And and in fairness, I think another reason I think that's a good comparison is because you have Kemba and you have uh, you know Jalen Brown and you have scores on that team that. If they go away from Tatum and the Josh Akogi, Marcus Smart comp, I mean, it... <laughs> I was thinking more of the McDaniel's uh, Smart ah, comp. You know, I wouldn't, uh, okay, I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't diss uh, Marcus Smart like that. Hey, if you ask me, would I trade Okogi for Marcus Smart? I would say, where do I sign? If you ask me whether I would trade McDaniel's for Smart, that's a Ooh. long pause. That's a long pause for me. You know. Mm. Uh, I don't know what I would do in that circumstance. So I think as a result, that's a better comp. What, um, this is kind of a dumb topic, but you can say it's dumb. I excel at dumb pop topics. <laughs> um, you don't care at all about rookie of the year. I know. I don't. But um, I think people would be curious to know if you think Anthony Edwards should win rookie of the year. Um. I've already lost you. Your your brain's floating. Well, no, you're, like, I'm, I'm, you're I'm, going. You're going. How can I turn this into something else that I actually want to talk about? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I knew it. I could read you. What I will tell you is that uh, I think. Do you like apples or do you like oranges? I mean, it really is. Hey, man! They weren't both fruit two months ago. That's what I'm saying. That. That is one was the thing less ripe two months ago. Now one is riper, and and the I will say for me they were completely different tiers. I know com- you were always were. a much bigger uh, ball guy than I was. Uh, but that I mean, even but, when ball was humming, I thought yeah. let's not get you know people were calling him you know they were making comps like the best rookie in the past five years, the best rookie in the past ten years. I mean, come on. Um, I, right. I, I wasn't doing that, but I right, mean, that I, I, after I switched off the Wolves game last night, when it was a 41 point lead, I went and watched LaMelo ball shit the bed against the Pelicans. You know I mean? He's been, he's been bad. I didn't watch that game last night because I did for yeah. some reason, watch the end of the Wolves <laughs> game. Um, I, but I, I, I watch a lot of the Hornets and I have, you yeah. know, LaMelo, it's interesting. LaMelo has not been good since he's gotten back. Mm. Um, I think he's trying to do a little too much, especially yeah, I mean, penetration. That's, that's kind of he kind of is a little bit too much guy. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't really know what it is with Lamelo, and I'm kind of just you know brushing it off as he was injured. He missed like 25 games, whatever. Like that's right. Sure. I don't think he got. I don't think he got bad at all. It's just a weird juxtaposition of this idea that I, I mean those guys' seasons are pretty pretty similar. You go, they both come off the bench for like the first 20 games of the year. Ant looks like he belongs there. LaMelo looks like, what the hell are you doing, Borrego? Get this guy into your starting lineup. Just about at the exact same time, they go into their starting lineups. And Charlotte starts flourishing in large part because of LaMelo. It wasn't only LaMelo. Like Gordon Hayward was getting underrated of, of what he was doing and a bunch of those other guys, the surrounding pieces have you know have taken off, and so that's kind of the difference between the Timberwolves. Now, when Ant gets in there, he's got no Gordon Hayward, he's got no ascendant Miles Bridges, no ascendant Malik Monk. Like 
he's out there with like Jay Clayman, right. you know, and Wancho. Right. 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 Uh, and so, so that's really when it stratified. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I gave LaMelo a lot of credit for that because I was kind of thinking at the time, like the Hornets aren't a good team, you know, right. and he's making them, he's making them a good team, which I think is true. Ant was in a, just in hindsight now, that was in an environment that I don't think Ant could grow in. It taps into his weaknesses, he, you know, his, right. his biggest liabilities, I guess, where Ant you know, does go not do- want to be a great player on a bad team. Mm-hmm. It's not well, the way his game, but works. he'll take it. Well, I, I don't know if want, like that's certainly what he's been his whole life though. Yeah. And I think now he's really, he's having more fun now than he's ever had. Which is, yeah, which is a, it, it, an important kind of learning experience. And so now that's happened and it's been, it's been 32 games since the all-star break. Like that's, it's going to end up being half the season. Right. Actually, exactly, right? 36. There's four more games left. Right. I mean, his stat, his post, his second half of the season stats are going to be really fucking good. Yep. And and enough to, to you know, to kind of say, for me, as someone, like you said, I've been high, I'm high on LaMelo out of the draft. I loved what I saw at the beginning of the year. Uh, and I'm, I think it's a real testament to Ant and his just growth and player development that I see them both to be fruit at this point. Exactly. And, and you know. So and how do you choose? I mean, they're both excellent. I wouldn't mind having either one on my team. Um, right. It, you know, if somebody said, you have to get rid of Ant and get LaMelo Ball, I would not be moaning. I would be saying, all right, how are we going to work this combo into? You know, oh, there's God. some fascinating ways that this could really work for the Wolves. Um mm-hmm. If somebody said uh, you can take that or you could stay put with Ant, I would say I'm fine where I am right now. I like what this guy has brought to the right. team. But it isn't like um, it. My aversion to it is that, first of all, as you know, I've said this on occasion, stepped in it a couple of times as a result. Uh, that I don't judge young talent well, you know. I'm not necessarily sure of the ultimate trajectory of these guys. I've been burned enough in as a longtime watcher of the Wolves. I said this in a recent Talking T-Wolves exchange with John Krasinski at The Athletic, um, that none of Wiggins, Levine, and Cat panned out from their hype as rookie second year player type people, even Levine, who probably went the furthest from the hype still has not played on a team that has sniffed 500 uh, and remains a terrible defender. He's marvelous offensively and has really blossomed. I mean, he is the Al Jefferson of the perimeter in that respect, Uh, (laughs) but uh, you know, he, he still is not a transcendent player and he's appropriately paid. I mean, you know, he's a, He's a 15 to $20 million player. Uh, he's not a max guy. Um, and Cat he's about to be. And Cat is not uh, the player you, you would start a franchise with if you were starting today, which was a hype after his rookie season in 2016 when Tom Thibodeau was coming in. Everybody thought between Tibbs, 
and cat, things were going to blossom. Well, you know, we saw what happened to that hype. And so, and Wiggins, I don't even want to talk about the hype around Wiggins because I actually liked Wiggins rookie year. I prefer to remember with warmth that feeling of the double jump. The guy could finish his own miss better than anybody. The spin move was a new deal. But isn't that the perfect encapsulation? <laughs> his best skill was he could finish his own miss. Well, it was. That second jump, that second jump was great. But it's the fact that he missed it in the first place. <laughs> like back on, you know, uh, again, what was said then and what we're saying now about him is he's 19. Whenever anything bad happened with either Cat Levine, uh, Wiggins, and now Ant, he's only 19. It's like whenever I tweeted a bad thing about any of those guys, including Ant, there's always some joker who comes in and goes, yeah, well, you're ragging on a guy. He's always 19. You know, so on and so forth. Like, you insensitive old asshole. Well, guess what? You know, all those people wanted to rip me for saying those things about Wiggins, uh, Levine, and Cat at those times. They deserved it at those times. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break. I get my Twitter revenge eight years later. Hey, this is an ad for me. Uh, I want to take a quick break from my conversation with Britt to tell you about my plans for the pod this summer. Uh, obviously, the Wolves season ends on Sunday, but the pod is not going anywhere. I guess I kind of want that to be my main message here. There will still be multiple episodes a week on this feed. It just won't be five or six a week like it has been for the past few months. Uh, Britt will still be coming on to chat weekly, and I'll certainly be bringing on many of the other common guests consistently. Uh, we'll talk about the Wolves when they're relevant, which you know should be pretty often this summer from the draft to ownership to off-season moves. But we are going to turn a lot of our attention over these next few months to the playoffs, which I do. I look forward to digging into with Britt and with others. If I've learned anything with this pod for a couple years now, it's that, uh, it's that there's always something to talk about. What I do also want to say is the podcast will still largely be funded by the Patreon account associated at patreon.com slash DaneMoreMBA. I've greatly appreciated the support that hundreds of you have given over the course of the season there. It's what makes it possible for me to, to do the show consistently. I look forward to continuing to earn that money this summer. Um, if you're not already a patron and would like to sign up, again, the place to do that is at patreon.com slash DaneMoreMBA, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash DaneMoreMBA. Thank you all for this year, for real. Now back to my conversation with Britt. All right, Britt, so... Um, Next thing I want to talk about is is this idea that the Wolves have two paths to chart here, kind of this offseason. Um, the odds that they retain their pick are going to significantly drop. It seems like they're going to fall to that number six slot in the the lottery tanking standings, which you know takes them from that high watermark of forty percent of keeping their pick. People are from listening to this pod are probably sick of me saying this takes it from 40.1 down to 27.6. That's the real reality of the situation, which um, means this kind of ideal situation of having the pick going into the summer and this extra asset is, is less likely to, to come to fruition. And the more likely scenario is that they have just kind of this roster to, to run it back with and, you know, Gupta and crew in the front office to, you know, to kind of 
rub a few sticks together. So let's talk about each of the two paths, but let's start first with the more likely path, which is, you know, a, a reality. This reality of this team is probably going to be something close to what they enter next season with. How would you kind of, you know, compare and contrast those two paths? Um, I think that the magic will have to be how they move Rubio. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're working around the edges. Uh, Rubio was $17 million, and that is... 18 oh, next year. Okay, so there you go. That, that, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's fundamental change. You know, if you can get $18 million repurposed, um, and I, you know, I think it's been pretty obvious that while Rubio's has had great value in terms of mentorship and locker room leadership and all those cool things, um, he is not worth the money on the court. And even his locker room leadership and mentorship is not enough to elevate him to be worth the money overall. Um, I'm glad that he and Ant have had this connection. I'm glad that he and Kat have had this reacquaintance time. But I think if, you know, you were to have a beer with Ricky Rubio, or obviously in Rubio's case, a glass of wine, um, that he would tell you that this has not been a fun season for him at all, you know? Uh, I don't know about that, Britt. Oh, I don't know. I mean, on. not not, not, not at all. Win. He wants to I win. know. I, I, I would have said, if we were talking at the 50-game mark of the season, I would have said, for sure. I Yes, it's not his ideal season, but I don't think it's been like all bad for him in his eyes like i think it's been mostly bad for him which is enough okay all right yeah all right well when you're like an 11 year veteran and you the last two teams you've been dumped from are one and two in the west right now (laughs) i think that's probably not great but but like that's also on him that's on him for not having been good enough and and now you're going to tell me about how happy he is Yeah, I just I just think when you're at like, and I don't know if players have this awareness or not, but like when you sign that fifteen to twenty million dollar deal, not max, but above mid level, you are signing yourself up to get stirred, you know, for four years. The same thing happened to James Johnson, right? It's the same thing that happened to Kelly Olynyk, right? Like these guys. But think they about that. They become the fodder. They become the fodder. Yeah, I I, I agree. The two comps you just names. made and Rubio. Well, Marcus Smart would fit that too. Except and who Marcus hasn't got Smart traded? Hasn't moved. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Where it's you need that 15 plus million dollar deal. I get it. To be the fodder to make another big move. Especially if you're only worth nine or ten. Yeah. That's right, my right. point. I mean, or, Marcus Smart is worth every, every time of that. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So I think that Rubio felt something cooking in Utah and got dumped. I thought he felt something cooking in Phoenix, especially in the bubble, and got dumped. As it turns out, he was right. Things were cooking. And he wasn't given a chance. He yeah. helped turn up the heat on that cooking. You know, I mean... Whether or not he wasn't, he obviously was the most obvious place for an upgrade, which is why those smart front offices made that upgrade. But 
it is very difficult when you're the one out on the court helping to facilitate that improvement and it's happening in front of your eyes and you spent your teens and your early part of your career in Europe galvanizing the same situation in Spain and leading teams to championships and on the international stage being named MVP of a global competition, right. um, the Timberwolves' experiences are outliers. <clears throat> they are the places where he has not been successful. And so to go back to the Timberwolves and not even have the status that he had back in the other days when he was sure. the unquestioned point guard, floor leader, whatever, and have to uh, share the court with D'Lo, who in some ways, let's face it, is like his polar opposite uh, in terms of the, his mindset, the way he plays, how he values the game, what parts of the game he values. Um, it's He is playing... When, when Rubio gets to play with starters, as happened, Finch, I thought was a brilliant move when D'Lo was hurt. That that may be Finch's best move, is being able to convince D'Lo to come back in a way that did not savage Rubio's pride, actually buffed Rubio's image a little bit for future trades, and also got D'Lo cooking with the second unit so that D'Lo could be the great straw that stirs the drink and also get some time with cat. So that helped Rubio, that helped D'Lo, that helped Ed Edwards, as I just got through talking about. Now, the bottom line here is that Rubio will be difficult to trade because he is overvalued. His terms contract is overvalued. Um, the expiring will help some. The leadership will help some, but it is going to take some really nice finessing. This will be a challenge for the front office. But if Rubio can be moved for something usable, you know, that is, uh, you know, maybe it helps get the Wolves a, a really competent front court partner for Cat. Um, it's, it's funny. I mean, remember when we had our first conversation about this Rubio thing and we were arguing back and forth, like right after know. draft night? Oh, okay. No, yeah, I know. You I, were, I, uh... you were, you, I mean, to your credit, to your credit, you were, you were hot right away on this is a terrible idea to bring in Ricky Rubio. Right. When no, nobody else was on that, you know, and that's Some, somewhere, you know, but you know, I, I get what uh, you mean. At the beginning, yeah. Well, I mean, there, you know, part of that is just the existing bias. Rubio is such a, a wonderful, he's a Minnesotan, you know. Oh, I, I'm about to, I'm about to tell you in ways you were wrong, but yeah. I'm saying you started off for sure right. All right. You for sure, like, and, and because I what, what what I was gonna say is I came in and when we were talking about this and we were arguing about was I was trying to assert the idea of this value that Rubio has in the sense that he can be that salary to be flipped in another summer, right? right. He's the when you want to go make your move for your next guy, um, like that's your that's your salary fodder in in the deal. Plus, you know the idea that he's gonna bring you some veteran leadership along the way. Now, as we went 30, 40 games into the season, your side of that argument looked, you know, like this is a disaster. What were you thinking putting him next to D'Lo, which that kind of still exists. But it was just like Rubio was taking a step back. Um, you, he's not even good enough to be able to trade it as be traded as salary fodder 
because he's he's looking like he's a five million dollar player. Uh huh. And I think where it's kind of it's kind of started to swing back now, where we've seen more value as a player out of Rubio in the past thirty games. Plus, we've seen kind of the proof of the veteran leadership thing. I mean, he's got a pretty damn good track record now of coexistence with young, impressionable guards. Donovan Mitchell in Utah, he had a profound impact on Devin Booker in Phoenix and now Anthony Edwards in in Minnesota. That just kind of seemed like, you know, Rubio hype train stuff six months ago, like, we can bag on Ricky's jump shot. We can bag on a lot of things on him. You can't like, you can't take away from the fact that he is an excellent connector. You, you know, and, in that way, right? And and to that end, like, I don't know. Like, does the team that drafts Jalen Suggs, you know, are they, you know, do they grab Rubio in this sort of thing too, or something like that? I mean. I could see I could see teams that would take Rubio back on. We've talked about the Pacers a lot before, like somebody like that who I think I guess what I'm saying is my initial thought six months ago I could still again see coming to fruition where he was here for a year. Rosa's used him for that leadership and used him as this chip to be the salary fodder to fill for when they make, you know, another right. another big move. Right. Is it more likely, because what I flip-flop back and forth on is, like, who is it who's the salary fodder piece in the next trade, Rubio or Beasley? Yeah, I know. Like, I I, um, I just don't understand why um, the one guy who is your catch-and-shoot... Sucks at defense. Yeah, all right, but... Uh, I mean, no, for real. Like, what else? Seth what Curry else do you need? Sucks at defense. Tyler Hero sucks yeah, and, at defense. And, and Seth Curry makes like seven mil. And Tyler Hero, I mean, makes two. That, that I'm not talking about. Malik Beasley is a bad, like overall, like player for this team. You only have so many. Well, obviously, so many dollars and so many like. In a, I like. In a lot of ways, I like a lot of stuff Ricky Rubio does. I like a lot of stuff Malik Beasley does. They're, they're not anywhere near full packages. So at the end of the day, you got to say, what else am I going to get? Like, what, what, what can I exchange? Like, okay, so there's better things out there. Is what I'm saying. Your argument, because I know you're not arguing that Rubio and Beasley are equitable value-wise in terms of the value to the Wolves. What you're arguing is because yeah. Beasley is a more valuable player, he can bring more value in return. Um, I, I'll tell you this. I To the people that I've talked to over the course of this season, I continue to be stunned by how little value they see in Malik Beasley. Mm-hmm. I think that's wrong because I think he is a guaranteed like market-down Seven threes a game at forty percent. Yep. But smart people. I mean, you know who I'm talking about. Like, right. they they hated the contract at the time, and they don't trust him. They don't they don't trust that it matters what he did on a really bad Timberwolves team at the beginning of the year. 
And there's obviously there's questions about him as a as a person in the locker room. Like, yes, I still think Malik Beasley is a more valuable asset than Ricky Rubio. I still think that would be his perception, you know, around the league. But it is just as we go into this offseason, I'm just telling people when they're getting on the trade machine and they're trying to like start doing the thing, like it's gonna be a fake, fake trade if you if you're thinking that Malik Beasley's returning back some serious value. I just all right, well, then all the situation. more reason to keep them, because I think that... I'm with that, yeah. Okay, I mean... Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm trying to get at, is like, okay. oh, yeah, who's the, well, who's I, the one? Well, who's who's the salary fodder in the You heard the first word out of, um, first name out of my mouth, you know, when we talked about the offseason. I said, moving Rubio will be the crucible upon which, if the Wolves are going to make a major change, finessing that transaction properly will be the key to their offseason. Um, I never even regard Beasley as a great trade uh, target. Okay. Simply because... I think some people do. I think some people do, but... Yeah, yeah. I know, and, and you do. Or I mean, fans. you have. You have pushed it yourself a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. all I'm saying is I think a guy who can just burn it from outside, and by the way... I will totally acknowledge that he's terrible on defense, but I will also acknowledge that it isn't a terribleness through laziness. I'm kind of curious to see what happens. I'm kind of curious to see what happens when he gets engaged in this scramble stuff. You know, maybe that unlocks him a little bit too um, because he does take terrible angles. And I think that's a good point. I haven't really thought about that. I think that structure maybe maybe not his friend either, you know? And so, uh, so, you know, so I really think that it, it could be, and, you know, like Delo, if he can get talked into a, um, no, you're not the starter, but you know, you'll be finishing some games. And when you have the hot hand, we are not going to sit you down because somebody else has primacy over you. I mean, I've already been pleasantly surprised you know that I've been extremely skeptical about getting all these firepower people together on the court and having it work. Usage war, baby. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think that uh, I've been very pleasantly surprised with the willingness of all three of the major players who are on the court now, meaning not with Beasley on the court, but D'Lo, Cat, and Edwards are all willing passers thus far with the exception of D'Lo and Cat and Crunch Time, where they feel like their pick and roll is better than Ant's off-the-dribble move. And sometimes it is. But I will tell you, uh, the, when they the are... The majority of the time. When they are blowing the whistle, and it's a tightly contested uh, reft game, and mm-hmm. when Ant is on, when Ant has that extra gear that you've talked about uh, engaged, then I say clear the decks. You know, and maybe get ready for, a, you know, a kickout pass or maybe if things are bottled up in there, send it out to D'Lo and they can do their high pick and roll off that. But right. but I do think back to Beasley for a minute, um, the dude is, a as you say, a 40 percent shooter. Uh, I don't think we want to give those guys away when they're 16 million. I know that that's not seven or two million, but that is. I will take Beasley over, you know, Seth Curry and Tyler Hero anyway. Um, 
Same. And I also think I trust him. I trust Malik Beasley because. Um, well, what do you mean by that? I mean that I don't think he's going to reoffend. Okay. Uh, yeah, because, I don't even actually, uh, don't even actually he, want to touch that. A, he got but, paid, and B, um, he, the team was behind him even after he got paid to the hilt on this stuff. I think he, he'll he'll pay that back. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I quite frankly we but don't it's, have it's a great factor. insight in the, Well, I mean it it's is a, a factor in terms of his value. I'm more have into to believe in him or not believe in him in terms of being remaining a good citizen. Do I think he will never cheat? No, I do not think he will never cheat. I think he will cheat every now and then, but I think he'll be smart about it. I don't think he'll get caught. Mm-hmm. I'm more more curious of like remove that sort of stuff of like, how does he respond to, you know, he's clearly fourth in the pecking order now, right? He, well, and he's played. Not in terms of his role, though. What if do you it, mean? Yeah, it is. Who's he had? He yeah. not had a cat dealer or aunt. No, but what I mean is when he's on the court and if he's wide open, he will not be ignored. Okay. Yeah. As the fourth guy. <laughs> But sometimes if the fourth guy... But sometimes guy, it's the third. Sometimes, yeah, okay. But I mean, the fourth guy, if the fourth guy is the fourth guy because the other three are dominating four or five defenders and he's a knockdown 40% shooter, Chris Finch and hopefully D'Lo, Ant, and Cat will recognize that. And, you know, Malik Beasley um, saw what happened in Denver, you know? I, but I think... I think as as ter- in terms of basketball, uh-huh. I think Malik Beasley has loved the basketball opportunity he's had here in Minnesota. 14 games last year, what, maybe like 45 this year, something right. like that? Right. I, I, I think he's loved that. But he's also been the first or second option in almost every single one of those games. Yes. And for a while there, and we have seen him getting prickly on the record about times – even where he slides to the, you know, to the second or third role, where he's like, you know, wanting, you know, wanting the ball late, wanting the, the, those sort of things. So I don't know, like, I just don't think it's like ridiculous for me or for anyone else to assert, to be like the pecking order. You're right. He, it's not going to be all four of those guys on the floor at all times, but you talk about pecking order all the time. Yep. And in the pecking order, he's fourth. Yes. On just the depth chart or the whatever. You put the 15 yes. down. Yes. And, you know, it, it's good to have a good player who shoots 40% from three and all those things as the fourth guy on your list. But there's, you know, there's a personality element to it. And there's also, he he doesn't fit what this group that we've seen for these 18 games that are 9-9 nine and nine since DeAndre Russell got back. They need the 40% three, high-volume three-point shooter less than they did before that. What they need now is a two-way player. Unless you can unlock that guy um, and do the top five offense, top 20 defense, uh, which is the Rosas template from before. Um, which both of us don't agree is a good template. 
Well, I don't think you it's a don't good agree. template. Yeah. I just feel like we're still talking about a guy who is on a long-term contract that is not onerous, who can do something that I haven't seen anyone else on the team with the possible exception of bad D'Lo doing, you know? You know, I don't want D'Lo to be shooting, you know, trying to make five threes a game, you know? Um, I think that to me, it still comes back to this team needs talent and they need to harbor their assets. Uh, it may wind up being that Beasley is the sixth man and leads a group that has Okogie and Wancho and God forbid Culver and some other folks who can't shoot, you know, or, or maybe he's with Nas or whatever next to McLaughlin, you know, and that combo is working on the pick and roll and he's the kick out option. I do feel more confident about Finch being able to figure that out than I would have with Ryan. Exactly. I mean, well, that's, Finch what, that's is, what Finch has proven. Yeah. Finch has proven that he's, well, I mean, we couldn't find one good five man lineup for the, 30 games that Ryan was here. We couldn't find one. Now Finch is like, he's finding a, you know, a new five man lineup every other night. Right. Right. Yeah. And right. That's, you know, Finch has had, I mean, it's interesting what happened when McDaniels went out, you know, it didn't Mm -hmm. matter the other night, but it certainly meant an incredible amount against Miami. Yeah. Jace was, uh, Jace was asking Finch and the players about that yesterday of kind of how this starting lineup the past two games without McDaniels has been, dope you know like they've been good and and so yes like he asked Finch he's like well you know you're gonna go back to McDaniels obviously but now do you try and get to this five or like a group of that five there and Finch was kind of like you know we're we're trying to have a bunch of good five-man lineups because right the yeah and your your full house lineup like those sort of things I mean there's been a couple of different Explain and, the full house lineup because I don't think we talked about that on the podcast. You no, just tell me every you know, time. Was, I just said we need a name for this lineup that has three power forwards and two point guards in the lineup. <laughs> I mean, how in the world three six nine power forwards, Nas Reed, uh, Vando, and Wancho, and then a McLaughlin and D'Lo. D'Lo. That's a great – they have been really, really – not only have they been really effective, but they've been so much fun to watch. I mean, they really, each one of them, they're five really distinct personalities that somehow coalesce. And so. Four is full of aces. I said, we, full of aces. I said we, need, <laughs> we need a name for this. And somebody said full house. And I couldn't figure it out for a minute. And then I went, of course, three over two, three of a kind over two of a kind. Yep. So, you know, fours over aces, right? That's what I, <laughs> I, that's what I said about You said that. Yeah, that's what I said in reply. So then I started using full house. In, you know, in the, I don't even know. But I don't think you ever explained. I think you explained it to me because we sit you know, next to each other. It's an inside joke. <laughs> people, only people who follow me get to know that. Uh, okay, so let's do the other side of it. All right. The other side of the path of the offseason, which is actually, we're going to take a quick break first. All right. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and there are free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Okay, Brett. So the other side, we just did the, you know, they don't get the pick. You know, they got to, I don't think we really solved any problems. You got to trade Rubio or Beasley. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I think the problem is solved if you get value for, for Rubio. I don't think okay. the problem is solved if you get value for Beasley unless you get more value than I think you could get. Yep, agreed. Um, it completely opens up a whole different reality if they get this top three pick. Um, they can go, you know, there's just like a your case of getting younger and kind of leaning into the ant window versus the cat window. I mean, you got Kate Cunningham. You know, what it's kind of like, what are we doing here? We got two 19 year old, 19, 20 year olds who are supposed to be studs. And then you got these 25, 26 year olds who we like, but we like question their ceiling of it. Like, you start making a case for the young guys if, if you get this pick. See, and I, I, I think I'm destined to frustrate you in this podcast, but I, um, I don't think the gap is that big of a deal. I've always questioned the the rigidity of the timeline. How old is Kawhi Leonard right now? Is he 30 yet? No. What is he, 29? I think 28. And how about Paul George? I think he's 30. Okay. So uh, if you added a hot rookie to that team, would that necessarily be a bad thing? Would they need to tilt downward? You know? Okay, can can I just let me just say my part first okay. here, but before because because it does sound stupid for me to be like, why do you want to add another great young player to a good team? Like my whole any trepidation about this is about the fact that D'Lo has two years left on his deal, 
and Cat has three out left on his deal. And I think it's a less likely than not proposition that either of them opt to resign here when those deals come up. So, you like when Delo's deal expires, Ant will be twenty one, mm-hmm. and when Cat's deal expires, he'll be twenty two. Right. Like the idea that there's different windows is not about that, the fact that they can't all fit in this one right now. It's that I'm not sure this exists as even a possibility three years from now. So that's okay. Well, and so what my counter on that is, so you're saying that we might be able to trade Delo and cat, obviously not peak value because they're going to be opting out, but you would get something surrounding this top three pick and Anthony Edwards. I don't even want this to be my case. I'm just saying this is a case. Yeah. And, and what I would say is uh, timelines are silly because you need synergy. And synergy with an old player and a young player is just as likely, perhaps even more likely, because one cat, cat is loving. I mean, you've heard him lately, just absolutely reveling in the role of sage veteran helping these guys <laughs> along, you know, he's right. happy right now. Cat just loves the idea that uh, I tweeted out the other night that, you know, D looks like he's going to get 40 and someone said, well, cat, cat will get there first. And I said, I think cat has triple double more on his mind. And I think that's it. Cat's been a 40 point score. Cat wants to be known now as uh, a, a, a nascent Jokic, a, a guy who, is able to um, be just as dangerous off the pass or off the spin and shoot or off the dribble, having all kinds of options that confuse the other team, a genie Mm -hmm. with the ball in his hands. Cat loves that a lot more than just being a guy who you get on the rock and he pumps it up and it's going in most of the time. That's not as... uh, Right now, I don't think that's nearly as sexy in Cat's mind as the idea of being a do-everything guy. And now that he's also playing, you know, I think, you know, relatively good defense. And I don't want to overstate it too much because the numbers are, are still not great. But I do, I, I will defend. It'll be a hill I, I won't die on. I'll be wounded on, but I can't die on that hill. Uh, that Cat uh, is, a, is a much better defender this year. And so, and a much more versatile one now that, you know, mm-hmm. they, they have them on the perimeter every now and then. So uh, I don't think the timeline makes much sense because I don't think Cat yeah. is – Cat is not going to say, trade me. Fair. I'm, I'm not the alpha. I'm merely the sage veteran who is enabling everybody. And he's just still better than all of them. Are. He'll still be yeah. – you know, right. like it would take – if Ant gets better than Cat, right. it will take years. It will take – it will it will take more than the time that is remaining on Cat's contract, right? There, like, there was a stat in the game last night. Uh, I I don't know if it came from Jim Peter Benz. If it was a Benz stat, it was actually a Benz stat that meant something. Which is always you have to cherish those moments. It's literally the wheat amidst the chafe and chafe and chafe. But um, you have this situation where somebody said Cat has. Uh, uh, played 45 games 
for the Wolves now. He has led the team in scoring in 42 of them. That's really? remarkable. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable? Would not have guessed that. Exactly. Are you sure? That's what I heard. <laughs> Obviously, and Edwards would be the other three. Well, I could. I think I could think of three. Phoenix, the Phoenix forty-two point game, the most recent forty-two point game, and the Portland game. Did he? He got thirty-five in that game. Oh, but Cat got the same amount, didn't he? Or maybe one more. I, I know. I was going through. There's been a couple of times where they've actually been equal. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, in any case, okay. let's let's say it's forty, or let's say it's thirty-eight. Sure. No, I'm sure it's right. I'm sure it's, it just doesn't that right. doesn't I know. register as it, correct. It, well, it certainly brief, struck but, me too. I mean, obviously, yeah. since I remember it. Anyway, well, what what would you do? Okay, you get the top three pick. Like, what's what's like, what's the move then in this offseason? Well, just take them. Give me the James, 70, James Wiseman. The, the eighty-eight caveats that, you know, I would have to throw out. Don't know shit about Not it. Not 70, but 88. <laughs> don't know shit about it. Uh, don't know how the offseason is going to work. Don't know a lot right, of right. things. I would take Mobley. Yeah. I I guess I'm asking less specifically about player and just the idea of, because you could trade it. Like, it's kind of like the Warriors situation of a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Where they could have traded that Wiseman pick, you know, to somehow... Like, okay, what the Warriors did was they took Wiseman and then they traded, actually, the Wolves' second-round pick for Kelly Oubre. Right. What they could have done, because they had that trade exception, right? Right. So they traded the Wolves' 2021 pick for Kelly Oubre. What they could have done was way up the value of the asset going out into the trade exception. And they could have traded that Wiseman pick number two overall and got, you know, a Victor Oladipo or something, which obviously that hasn't, but like something, a couple steps ahead of Kelly Oubre. And I don't want to compare the wolves to the warriors, but it's kind of like the, the the thought process behind that, which I think is proven to be accurate in Golden State, is they shouldn't have taken Wiseman. They should have, you know, they should have moved that to add something to the Steph Draymond Clay core that's more in line with those guys' timeline. Right. And but that timeline is a little bit more uh, profound again, than, yeah. than the Wolves' timeline. A hundred percent. Yes. By eighty-eight disclaimers there too. <laughs> um, I just think there's a reality of like, say you do take Mobley, like Mobley could be Wiseman next year because Wiseman could be good, like right. exactly. in three or four years, yeah. and that might be the case for Mobley too. Maybe that's just the norm for like. But so seven, could Cunningham, Ross, seven, and so could Suggs, and so could yeah, right. uh, you know sure, uh, sure. the other Green, and so could the Kaminga. guy from Nigeria yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah, or the Congo, I think. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's fat. It, it's a it's a good problem to have. I'll say that right. Like right. Because now your, your questions are, do you lean into the, you know, whatever. The thing I presented was, do you lean into the cat and dealer window? Do you lean into the young window? Or, you know, do you finesse it? Like, none of those options sound like a bad idea. Like, right. it completely changes up what you could, your realm of possibilities in the offices. We, we go from our our pre-ad break conversation of, got to maximize the Rubio trade right. into like, man, like... 
seven levels higher of you can start getting, you know, you, I mean, you could start talking about a really good player to, to bring in. Okay. So what do you want? Uh, In my view, I would want somebody who can play somebody who could maximize cat from the front court at both ends of the court. Mm -hmm. Now, some would say that's Collins. I'm not sure Collins can be a center type. I want somebody who can interchange. You can have almost like a Miles Turner Sabonis situation where you can flip those Mm -hmm. guys whenever you want. Um, uh, A guy who's mobile enough to uh, be a slash four, um, but is also primarily a defensive guy. Now you would say probably Turner, right? I mean, yeah, but I, I kind of feel like that's an undervalue. You need something. Yeah, like plus that's more of an Ubre, right? right? Like, right? No, look, I agree. better. It's better. But, it's but you better. know, if, if we're doing the, um, I don't know, maybe that's the old Adipo. So maybe right? you, like, maybe you flip picks. You basically flip picks and throw in Turner. And that's kind of the finessing, yeah, right. Like I think that's probably, which makes it harder for us to have a conversation about this on a podcast because it's you know it's going to be Rosas and Gupdud, right? Which will be really freaking confusing. But that's also maybe where Rubio's value comes in handy. We just got through talking about Indiana yeah, as a nice true. landing spot for Rubio. So if you have Rubio as part of that deal, it enables you to get Turner to match up the salary sum. You know, mm-hmm. you may have to throw in Jared Culver. Who knows? <laughs> God, I'm so fine with that. It, I'm just like looking at the standings right now for even like just to think of. of yeah, of they're names a fringe playoff team. They'll probably, um, I think they'll play themselves out of the play-in. Indiana, I think they will mm-hmm. be a, a a fringe lottery team. Right. I, I got sorry. I, when I say looking at this, I'm looking at the standings so as to trigger names in my head of uh, okay, you know potential potential player like bigs that they could trade for. And I think like the reality of the situation is the market of like bigs you could even trade for is pretty limited, right? It's like a lot of bigs have become more valuable. Well, true. Yeah. Or there's just, there's a lot of miles turners. Like I think Valchunas will be a free agent this off season. Yeah, but like, that's not a good fit. No, no, I know. I, no, I, I know I'm what just you saying mean. like, no, I'm right, just saying right. Steven Adams, you know, something right. like that. Like, right. Guys like who aren't good fits and also aren't that probably meaningfully impactful. It's why I always go back to Turner because like that one kind of makes sense in my head. Great defender, of, I can see, right? Good yeah, I, protector. I, I could see that because what, what I am kind of thinking about is I want I want Cat to find his Brook Lopez to Giannis's Brook Lopez, exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. Um. And, and LeBron's Anthony Davis is the even better one, <laughs> right? But <laughs> for sure. There's just not that many of those like guys out there. I and mean, there also, are guys. a lot of teams have start. I think are starting to look for that. I mean, mm-hmm. Denver, when they yeah. lost Murray, you go, "Oh my God!" You plug in Porter at the two. You have Aaron Gordon at the three with Millsap and Jokic. That is an enormous lineup that you mm-hmm. get. You get to play big while you also space the floor. I mean, Denver is going to be fun to watch. They are. They- I want to like little victory lap on Aaron Gordon. Everybody yep. thought he was going to suck. Well, I he had he landed in the right place. There's no doubt about that's that. true. Yes, he did. I was listening to uh, Seth Partnow on a podcast the other day, and he said that uh, 
if Murray wouldn't have gotten hurt, that he would have picked the Nuggets to win the championship. I don't know what he's looking at. I think the Nuggets are as much fun now as they were. Are yeah, they but better? Fun and, uh, you know, uh, all right. They're not better. They're not better without Murray. No, they're not better without Murray. Um, but did you watch the the Nuggets Brooklyn game the other night? No. It was. They it was, lost. I mean, said Brooklyn beat them, didn't they? That, yeah. At the at the end of the and game, was it, it was, because they didn't have outside shooting? Well, it was. They're down. Jokic kind of started losing his mind. He was trying to like it was kind of like Cat was trying to get fouls and stuff like that, and it wasn't really working. But it's one. I think it was one twenty one to one eighteen. Was it Blake or uh, Jordan? Blake was on him. Uh, I'm gonna take another could, victory I lap on see, that I one. I can see how Blake was bugging him. Blake can get inside people's heads. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's this. Uh, they're down by three with like thirty seconds left, and or maybe it was under twenty four because it, it kind of looked like a one shot play. And and the play that Malone drew up was inbound to, to like Jokic on a extended post up at like sixteen feet. Uh, the most he, obvious call by far. But they need three. Yeah, so but you know, yeah, he's got he's got options though. But it was it was a direct like try and go into a dribble handoff with Michael Porter Jr. Uh-huh. for Porter Jr. to be able to like shoot that three right there right, off of right. it, and it was just like and I know I'm hyper-focusing on one play, but, like, man, the uh, the exchange, the smoothness of that was not what it's like right. in a Jokic and Murray connection. Right. They, they fumbled. It was the game. You know, it, it, right. it didn't work. Right. Um, and, I mean, that's yeah, – I don't think they, they have enough because what makes Jokic elite elite is – is that can, synergy he has right. guys who can best synergize right um with him and i don't you know i don't but i, don't I do like the size now if porter can play to his size mm-hmm. porter's you know it, he just went from being a bad four to a bad three you know in terms of defense i'm talking about now um right. you know um but or actually a two if you think about it he and right. Hard to say who the two, the three, and the four is when Millsap's on the floor, too. I mean, Millsap, Gordon, yeah. and Porter are all kind of... And Jermichael Green plays even more than Millsap, I feel like. I mean, I don't know exactly. if that's accurate, but um, when I watch. But he's, yeah, he's also can be a space... I, I think that Millsap's a better rebounder, so that's what makes me think big versus mm-hmm. small. Uh, yeah, right. But I know what you mean. Yeah, Green is also a stretch four, obviously. Um, I mean, I think to kind of tie it back to what we are talking about with Cat is... Like, that might be the type of guy that you get. Or I don't know. Is that the type of power forward you get? Is the, I mean, Michael Green was a free agent last offseason. Right. And they, they, went, them. they yeah. went They went. and got him for this exact same reason that we're talking about. It's like, okay, we need so to shore up the power what, forward position. Educate me, just because I've heard about Mobley, but I don't know exactly. From oh, I'm I, not deep on him. Okay. But, I'm not deep on him at all. But I understand that he's, he's the best front court player Oh yeah, for sure. Who is obviously not a huge guy, not a classic mm-hmm. five, but not necessarily a stretch. I mean, it's four. like Bosch, Britt. It's like Bosch. I'll take it. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, obviously, like no, I that's know. his fully no, realized yeah. potential. But like, and it's the same thing. It's the lefty, lefty. Thing. You know, it's the. Yeah. He's a lefty, huh? <laughs> See, I don't know. Yeah, I well, and I don't. I honestly like right. I, I think there's a possibility that like if he's I haven't dug Bosch into it like yeah sign but me he, up 
But I don't even want to go into it because right. I have a right. feeling with him that he's not going to be my type just from the little that I've watched where he's going to kind of be a little bit uh, softer mm-hmm. than I would you know, kind of prefer in that right. role, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I mean, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk in, right. we'll talk but in anyway, the offseason about what the that is. greater answer, the greater mm-hmm. answer for me is, um, I think if you get Suggs, then obviously Beasley, Rubio, and perhaps <laughs> D'Lo have to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good luck. I mean, I mean it's just... But I mean, Suggs, uh, there you have a, well, they have a situation where Cat, uh, Suggs, and D'Lo with defenders, there's your formula. Yeah. You know, because that gives you three defenders and Cat and Ant, who both could probably be good defenders, so mm-hmm. motivated and not being. Um, you know, surrounded by ineptitude on either end of the court. I mean, I, I would, I would uh, ride with that. And if you can, I, I just feel like I don't think that D'Lo, Ant, and Suggs with Cat, never mind Beasley, um, gives you uh, what you want. Now, again, we have both said this about Finch is he's been able to make talented lineups at least the sum of their parts. So, right. you know, um, and if that could happen, more power to them. Um, again, though, uh, I always feel like babbling about something that has 40% chance versus something that has 28% yeah. chance. Um, I'm glad we prioritized that they wouldn't get it first. And I will say, just so I'm, I'm just not, saying it it completely changes yes, it the realm of possibilities right. in such a profound way. And it does not to have mention the fact that it's another... one in four chance of happening. So you can mm-hmm. look at it that way. Yeah. What I would argue, just so you haven't mentioned tanking yet, so I just want to put it yeah. to bed. I want to open it up and then shut it and uh, set some nails around <laughs> it uh, and then dump it in the river. Uh, essentially, the difference between having no self-respect and acting like the Orlando magic acted last night. I mean, can you imagine if the magic played the thunder right now, the final score would be like either 180 to 179 or two to nothing. But I hate hate the thunder. I hate the thunder. (laughs) I hate them. Right. And the magic are, are working hard. They are right there. At least Detroit tries when you see, I mean, Stewart and those guys. Dude, so does Orlando. Not last night, but yeah. like, I, I'm, this is stupid. I probably shouldn't even be doing it. But like, what I do now is when I'm sitting around at home and it's like league pass, I turn on the Cavs or the Pistons or the Magic games like that because I don't know, because I'm interested okay. by the, the right. win loss part right. of it. And so I'm just saying, I've been watching these teams and the Pistons try and the Magic try. And and yeah. like Houston and Oklahoma City are like an abomination. They're the worst. They're the worst it's right. an, it's so fucking stupid and it's terrible for the league. It's just right. It is. It okay. It, uh, so the fact and that I hate whole... Poku. I hate Poku. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing, dude. It is it's literally the dumbest thing. <laughs> oh my god! Like, what are people doing? Like, what are people doing? Talking about Poku over? They don't talk about Sadiq Bay. 
I mean, and obviously I'm biased on Jade McDaniels, but like, what are you doing talking about Poku? I, I'm not going to say the name of the person, but I heard somebody say they take Poku fourth in a redraft, like a draft expert. Fourth. What are you talking about? Right. Like, I it's I what I think is happening. Right. I think what people are doing is they're watching synergy and they're not watching the games. They're ah. watching synergy, so you just rip through because you can rip through a hundred. I've done it. <laughs> you can rip through a hundred Poku clips, and you're like, "Ooh, there was like 17 of them that were really interesting." Right. But if you watch full Thunder games, that it's that guy sucks. Right. It, it's 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 an, and, and you know and maybe this is our weakness of the same thing where. We're bad at assessing young players going forward, but I have this is I've never seen anything crazier in terms of like lusting over a rookie than Poku. It, it makes no sense to me. Do we know it? I have not. Good. I, 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 the fact that I am merely slightly down on Poku makes me feel like a defender at the moment, but I will not. I, 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 I do not like Sadiq Bay, man. Oh, I'm like excited Sadiq for Bay. Tuesday. Well, Ooh, and, and, and Stewart is on that team too. I mean, they have some really interesting rookies. But I think what the because I watch a lot of Sadiq Bay out of the draft and stuff, and there was this like the guy I compared him to, watching his Villanova tape was Joe Ingles, oh. and he kind of. He kind of had this, like, obviously the shoot. I mean, right. Bay's shooting numbers were insane right. at Villanova. But it wasn't just this. He, like, he had this, like, funky way of kind of, like, right. using his body right. going north-south to the rim, which yeah. is also what Ingles has to do because right. he's slow. He doesn't look like and, a certified public accountant like Ingles does, though. No, he, he actually, I don't know if he's wearing, like, a medium-sized jersey or whatever, but Sadiq Bay looks, like, jacked <laughs> exactly. at, like... Um, which makes I love Ingles him. I love comparison him. all the more crazy. But it, uh, it was it was six months ago. Okay. So I, like I don't know what I I don't know. I, I think like I don't I don't think the Pistons are a bad watch right now. To be honest with you, no, they try. Right, they but, try, and they brought back Jeremy Grant. Like they're not like exactly. They, like he was their Beasley sort of thing. He was like right. out, and now he's back playing. Like they start, they play old guys. Plumley starts. Oh, so they got another old guy who they. I don't know, but that like those teams are trying, and and I don't know what the mag- the magic yesterday okay. that was like. Too. But back to my point, the Wolves are playing with self respect. It is going to help them. It is not going to help them, obviously, with the pick. But if you consider the difference between forty point one percent. And 27.6% is 12.5%. That means that out of eight lottery balls, you get one fewer. Yep. That's all that means is you have one fewer lottery ball. If you were normally going to get eight, you're now going to get seven. If you were going to get four, you're now going to get three. 12.5% 12.5% is one out of eight in your chances. That's what yeah. you're reducing. And on the other side of the coin, you can see what this little run has had the effect on with both D'Lo, Cat, and Ant, the three guys who are your, you know, your, your triumvirate moving forward. And you can see that um, even, um, I don't think you want a, Oh, I, I defended it. I, I'm I've been right. defending it, and, like, and I don't think you want to chasten Rosas going into the front. You know, going into the off season. I think you want the mm-hmm. same bold dude 
trying to do things because I think that does help. And let's face it, three months ago, you know, when it became perfectly obvious that he had probably punted the number four pick, uh, you know, it was looking pretty grim because the Wolves sucked. Uh, so I think for a variety of reasons, the people who were saying tank at all costs, the cost is self-respect, momentum, ongoing lack of familiarity on a team that's already unfamiliar for the chance of having your uh, 71% chance of things not working out turn into 60% chance of not right. working out. It just doesn't make any sense. And the people who are doing tank at all costs, tank at all costs are idiots. Yeah, I, I, I think the nice part about doing these pods after every game is I have like a, you know, a day a by day kind of uh, uh, opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I was saying, like, I don't know what would have been maybe three weeks ago or something was I was like, all right, everybody, like, don't start freaking out about this. If they drop to four, it's a nominal difference. It's 3%. Like, come on, like, let's prioritize winning over that. What I will say is I did not give falling to six as a possibility. Mm hmm. And falling to six is much different than than four. It just yes, it just it is. is. Yes, it is. And and so, so as as last night, I'm like the whole thing I did was like, all right, what have they gained in exchange for this twelve and a half percent loss, right? And you know, as I'm doing that, I also want to like take stock of the fact that there's some recency bias in that, and I'm you know, I'm kind of looking for justifications to stay positive or something. Like it, it, it does matter. Like the it's one, you're right. It's 12 and a half percent. It's one ping pong ball out of eight. Uh, but like, let's also not pretend the cost wasn't paid. I, I think there's, I, I think kind of the, the energy some people are putting behind this is stupid, but I think there's also like, there is some logic. There is some logic to having prioritized, you know, ping pong balls in this. Like it's not, it's not clear cut to me. It's just, I think you can make an argument for either case. And so long as you've done something that's gained traction over the past month, then you've, you've justified it. If, if the Wolves were still toiling and they were having a lot of games, you know, like that Sacramento loss or a lot of the other ugly sure. ones, if they were trying and still, you know, it didn't feel like meaningful things were happening, then, then this is pretty bad. Then that 12.5% is pretty bad. But, but they've done then, good things. The only way to find out that though is mm. to try to win and if you're still not winning because you're tr and you're trying to win that tells yeah. you you need to go in a totally different direction if you prematurely pull the plug and you right. say oh cat's wrist can't play mm. you know mm. or delo's knee you know ah eh, let's work this out or whatever sure. if all of a sudden you never gave any of that stuff a chance Right. And you lost all those games, and you still had a four in ten chance of getting something, <laughs> yeah, right. and a sixty percent chance of not getting something. That's the tanking strategy. The tanking strategy is the Thunder Rockets route, where you suck, you suck because you want to suck. You probably would suck anyway, but now you're really guaranteeing that you will be locked into something. 
The Wolves don't even have that as a viable strategy because they don't have control over their own pick. So to demean yourself, (laughs) to not know what you have going forward, even after all this time, a year and a half in the big deal trade. Yeah. And to not have the pick because you foolishly traded that thing out is like, that's like nine out of 10 on the level of absolute incompetence versus the four or five out of 10 we're seeing now because the team is belatedly starting to turn it around, but you still didn't offer adequate protection on your pick. Um, And you've made some other stupid things, but it is a much better situation for all concerned. And I can't emphasize enough. I don't think Edwards plays this well without recognizing that he's on a train that's moving somewhere. I don't think Cat embraces the role of, hey, I'm an elder statesman because things, my guy, my best friend, Nilo, is uh, suddenly, yeah, that pick and roll does work for me. And by the way, we have this rookie that I get to see. Dilo's bought in, man. Dilo's, I I think that, I think that's the. That's the Finch-Ryan difference in my view. I mean. But that's also, if you were tanking. Right, exactly. Over this run of time. Imagine D'Lo thinking, you know, being in a tank situation, you know. Yeah. He'd be toxic. D'Lo was disillusioned with the Timberwolves in January. Right. If if you went into this offseason. But if if you went into this offseason with D'Lo still disillusioned with this team, I am concerned about the future of your franchise. I don't think D'Lo is disillusioned anymore. I mean. Right. I think he's, he's a no bullshit guy. You weren't on the call last night, but like he was talking and what I felt my read on it was an authentic way of saying, he said it, he said, I like this team. Right. You know, and, and talking about the guys and he's talked about, I asked him about like what ant and cat bring out of him, not just what he brings out of them. Exactly. And, and I think he authentically is like, he said, he's like, ant, is good at getting the lane and getting the bucket. He said, that's not my game. And and he goes, and Cat, this is a different big type of big than, I mean, he said that before, right. than I've ever played for, but it's Still, showing to work. That's right. Like, I think that D'Lo's engagement and buy-in here was a question mark. Without a doubt. I, and I, I made a living I, on th- it for a while. I, I think it's. I just think it's. It's. Uh, it's less so that way now. And it's. Got- it is. It's very important, and it does come back to the idea. If you have momentum and self-respect, um, right. that's how you change a culture. That's how the yacht of Timberwolves incompetence that is about to destroy another harbor gets turned around, you know, and you start to head into a, a nicer cove, you know, a nice uh, little sunny place where they have people coming to help you dock. You know, I think that you have a situation where cat wants to be the role he is right now. Dilo wants to be the role he is right now. Mm-hmm. Finch is licking his chops over getting these guys together with a full training camp and putting things together. They will get rid of it. Maybe it's Vanterpool. Maybe it's Rubio. Whoever they want to excise from the equation, 
and don't think Rosas isn't thinking a lot about this, subtractions as well as additions, what they can do. Uh, the other night on the, or I guess it was in the daytime, because of Mother's Day, me and Chris Hine were the only people on a couple of Zooms. Um, I asked him about uh, why did he think that the Cat McDaniels thing wasn't working? Um, and he said, well, a lot of it was, Fitch, I'm talking about now, said a lot of it was beginnings of games. We haven't started well in the beginnings mm -hmm. of games a lot. And then he said, and maybe it's because McDaniels is a three and he's been playing at the four. He said that? Uh-huh. Shit. <laughs> wow. So, you know. Uh, that, that's a hint. Right. But who knows? You know, I mean, again, I think that that is a good take because. Well, I think it's accurate. <laughs> the, the way the league is trending and you, that's why another reason I want this, this magical front court partner for cat as the missing piece, you know, that's, that to me is the skeleton key that unlocks a mm -hmm. lot, you know, because if you, you can put McDaniels at the three and have Beasley come off the bench and have Ant as the two. Right. Woo. You know, D'Lo, Ant, McDaniels, Cat, Mystery Big X, yes. and Beasley off the bench. Yes. That's what we want to roll with next. That's year. what I want to roll so far. You know, I mean, a million things right. can happen, but that's my right. ideal. As we sit here on May 10th. Exactly. Our last regular season and podcast. And as we know, it could change. It could change. You know, we yeah, could, now no, I, mean, I could be saying, ah, I never said that. <laughs> well, well, we'll continue to talk about it. Uh, he's Britt Robson at Britt Robson um, on Twitter. Read what him and John are doing over at The Athletic. Um, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Britt, next time we talk, we'll just be, I don't know, maybe we'll do an end of season Wolves thing, but. And then kinda, pivot to the playoffs. Pivot to, I can't wait. I just want to, I'm ready. Nobody I'm ready for something win. else. Nobody knows who's going to win. I know, and I Especially love it. Especially who's coming out of the West. Flip I got a, I got a, a Utah coming out of the West take brewing but i'm not ready i'm right. not ready yet i want to this afternoon i want to watch the lakers suns game from last night um i haven't watched a lot of davis, davis destroyed them. well thanks for ruining it <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right you didn't all right. even know the score i saw some twitter stuff uh, no i don't care I don't, I don't care i'm watching it for academic reasons um all right, Brett, thank you for doing it. Um, I will, I'll talk to you uh, later this week. And for all of you listeners, I will be back after Sadiq Bay roasts the Timberwolves on Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.